0: Welcome to the Wealthy Money Property Podcast, your ultimate resource to unlocking your inner property guru and building a property investment portfolio. Now introducing your host for the show. Hi, property magicians. Welcome to today's episode, episode 76. My name is Vangile Makwakwa. I am your host for the show. I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income, and live their best lives. Find me on Instagram and Twitter under Vangile Makwakwa and LinkedIn, and then on Facebook under Wealthy Money. So, with me today
1: is my incredible co host. <laughs> hey, hey, Ben, welcome home. I am Dr. Miranda, uh, Prop Doc Mom. Um, I am a property mentor uh, for beginners. Uh, find me at propdocmom.com, propdocmom.com, and propdocmom on Facebook, just the page propdocmom. I help you come from curiosity and fear to becoming a real estate investor welcome to our episode 76 we have a beautiful beautiful show and i'm co-hosting with dangele who is in Johannesburg today yay yeah. I, seen the people. I also haven't seen her i'm seeing her for the first time on zoom so yeah. <laughs> we are breathing the same oxygen this time around welcome yeah Angela. Thanks, Miso. I haven't seen anyone,
0: no one in my family, not my sister, not anyone, because um, I am self-quarantining for 12 yeah. days. It's mm-hmm. not a requirement, but I feel that part of being a decent human being is being <laughs> aware yeah. that even though before I got on the flight, my COVID test was negative, you don't know what happened in that process mm-hmm. of everything so i just want to be a safe human for other people to human around once i see them after 12 days so
1: especially you are seeing (laughs) um elderly parents you really want them to be safe and you have the luxury of time right now that you are here and you can still see them there is still time it's not like Mm. you're rushing back out yeah yes Yeah, and airports and airplanes are Mm. especially the worst places because air security... I know. I don't... I don't...
0: I know. Like, honestly, I (laughs) will say that traveling um, during this pandemic was completely different. And I have to brag a little. Guys, I did a full post in the student group. Um, I actually flew business class this time around and... (laughs) Wow, I could. And the reason why I'm bragging is because I could afford it. I didn't pay on credit cards. I didn't do anything. I didn't get into debt for it, nothing. And this for me is, I was sharing with the Money Magic students, and Miso is one of the Money Magic students, that this for me shows how much work I have done Um, on my money journey and on everything to do with my finances and I could come and book an A, B and B for three months. Right. So mm-hmm. for me, that was just so powerful. And I, I'm not gonna get over that for a long time. I'm gonna keep dragging about that for <laughs> a
1: while. <laughs> well, it's so, a big deal. It's yeah. a big deal for us at Money Magic. Uh, at Money Magic, because the type of inner work that we do, when you shift certain <laughs> things and heal certain things, you know, business class, in in another life, because I have got a new life now. No, <laughs> um, in another life, I would have said. Well, I only flew business while I was in corporate because only in corporate did I fly business and first class. So I know it's possible now and I can generate my own wealth for me to travel that way. And because the first thing that I want to buy with money when I have extra money is a travel ticket, I had better be flying business class. And that's what I'm going for, <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. so bad. So that's my little
0: drag, you guys. That is but, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in quarantine now for another, I don't know, another nine days, eight to nine, nine days. days. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, like so far, so good. Awesome. <laughs> but we have an incredible show for you today. Yeah. It's with Nigel. You guys remember Nigel from episode 39 and also with Gareth, a uh, conveyancing attorney. And I'm going to have Mizor talk to us uh, about the show before we move on.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. This show. <laughs> this is an incredible show. So we invited back uh, Nigel because we wanted to discuss Discuss a regulation called SPLUMA, spatial planning and land uh, planning, whatever it is, urban planning. And Gareth will tell you all about it in, in, in the podcast. So, we wanted to discuss the SPLUMA regulation because Ben and I had a, a rude awakening about SPLUMA when you are doing a multi let in a house and nigel decided well gareth is a com- conveyancer deals with this kind of thing so he pulled him into our so we had an incidental in- incidental guest very generous one number two very clear about the things that as a property investor you want to listen to guys mm. is important i keep teaching about the multi-led strategy but The stuff that Gareth revealed today, even I, as a mentor, didn't know. But I'm so glad I'm just a doctor Mm. and a mentor because I do not have to know the regulation uh, wait for word. So you are in for a big treat. You are in for something. When you are a mini developer, a young developer, first-time developer, please sit yourself down, get a coffee, Mm. or if you are driving, please put up the volume here is a beautiful mm. show for your investment mm. then shall we do this yes let
0: us move on okay hi gareth hi nigel welcome to the show it's so great to have you
2: hey, hi. Hi, ben. hi thanks for having me <laughs>
1: We are so excited to have you on board, Gareth. Um, We we, we love the stories of Screamer and we hope you are going to demystify it for our our listeners today. So, Nigel, tell us who you brought. (laughs) We were doing a podcast, people. We were doing a podcast with Nigel, but he decided no. We 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 are an expert podcast. We really need to give you the meat and the and everything, the bones and the gravy on this. So he, <laughs> he has been on us. Nigel, how are you again? Uh, <laughs> yep,
3: I, Mizo, I'm absolutely fantastic. Thank you, and again, thank you for inviting me on to your show. Um, and as you said, I would prefer to give the meat than the bones so as the enterprise development property fund one of our biggest uh, or in fact our biggest um, uh, vision is to empower people to become property investors and uh, and even if they want to become developers so we don't just want to give you uh, a little tidbits here and there we'd much rather give you from the horse's mouth exactly everything that you need to know we will teach uh, our candidates in our program um, the meat as you say uh, and mm-hmm. we and as such instead of me talking about something that i'm involved with to a certain extent because i'm an investor in property i'd much rather bring an attorney with me um, and gareth has been a supporter of our program for quite a while he is one of our trainers um and gareth will introduce himself obviously but uh, he's been phenomenal in teaching our guys all about the legal aspects of property investment. So I thought it would be better if I bring Gareth onto the program instead of me waffling on about nonsense. Gareth will get right down to the meat of what the Spluma Act is all about.
0: Absolutely. So guys, Mm -hmm. um, just uh, a little update. If you don't know who Nigel is, please go to episode 39. nigel um gave an incredible interview you really want to listen to that interview he 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 runs edpf which is this incredible institution as he said teaching real estate uh, teaching people how to become real estate investors in that episode he breaks down some really crucial fundamentals and basics of real estate investing so If you haven't done that, finish watching this, uh, finish listening to this episode, then I really want to encourage you to go to episode 39 because you are in for an incredible treat so you can understand who Nigel is and why we had to bring him back. And now we have Gareth as well. So thank you for that. Hi, Gareth. Can you tell us a little about yourself?
2: Okay. um, I'm an attorney, as, as Nigel has already said. Um, I'm also a conveyancer for those who might be new to the property scene. That's basically a specialist property attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been practicing uh, since I was admitted in 1996. And I am heavily involved in, in, in property related um, legal work and, and associated activities, including investment um i am the chairman of the pretoria property uh, of the pretoria attorneys associations property committee i am the past chairman of support for those who don't know that's the south african property owners association um and i've held various other roles and uh hopefully i don't have a a a great previous video like nigel for you to go and look at but if you want to know more about me i am on linkedin and you can go and read uh uh, my my long and, and storied uh journey
1: to this point. <laughs> That's so funny, Gareth. <laughs> no, we don't interview popular people, Gareth. We just, we just, our our podcast is an education platform. As long as you bring education, we good. we good. So, Gareth mm-hmm. and, ja- and Nigel, please, uh, Nigel, we brought you back because we really wanted to go deeper into this regulation that we learned about Vagile and I and we just thought I'm sure there are lots of South Africans who don't know anything about this. Tell us about Spluma. What is even Spluma? It sounds like something else but what does it stand for and under which law does the Spluma sit in?
3: Meza, you're 100% correct. There are so many uh, people out there who have no clue that Splume even exists, let alone what it stands for and what what it means and how it affects us as property investors and property practitioners. Um, So I personally have been involved in property, as you know, for 20 years. um, And I always say, I only know about 20% of what needs to be known, um, even after 20 years of being involved in the sector. So when I deal with uh, legal matters, I do not deal with them on my own. I will always bring my attorney um, to come and help me to structure and to make sure that what I'm doing is number one, legal, but number two, uh, the most tax efficient way to do things. Uh, so yeah. that's why I've asked uh, Gareth to come and part of this conversation. So the questions, Gareth, I will leave to you, what does Pluma actually uh, mean, what is it?
2: Okay. Uh, well, firstly, uh, Spluma is a is a really nice way to refer to it because if you had to keep calling it by its full name, um, I think this interview w- would consist mainly of us just saying the name. It's the Spatial <laughs> Planning and Land Use Management Act, number sixteen of two thousand and thirteen. If you want its yeah. its full description, um, wow. I can give you a little bit of of a, of a background as to as to sort of how it, how it came about. Is that Anyone who's done developments up until recently um, would have worked according to local uh, guidelines as to as to how those developments um, must be um, registered and so on and and what permissions and everything must be obtained. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I'm not sure what you guys are using down there in in, in the Cape, but in the old uh, province of Transvaal, so if you were developing in Pretoria or Nelspruit or Joburg or wherever would, would have fallen in the old um, Transvaal. It was uh, Ordinance 15 of 1986 would have been the, the the legislation that you used to do your developments, but each area had, had a different legislation. And Spluma's idea was basically to um, consolidate the legislation on a national level so that um, everyone was operating from the same Playbook. Um, then, ironically, what they did is they delegated the authority to create the actual rules down to each municipality. So, <laughs> so instead of centralizing the, the the whole system under one set of rules that that everyone would operate by, now um, basically um, Spluma is the is the is the national legislation that that, that authorizes um, bylaws and and and. Planning approvals and zoning and and so on and all these regulations, but each city um, uh, and Metro has its own uh, set of of uh, spluma rules now. So um, basically, according to me, the the major objective of, of consolidating the, the legislation under one um, umbrella seems to the opportunity seems to have been missed a little bit. Yeah,
0: it sounds oh, wow. like it. it sounds okay. Like it. So just to backtrack, Gareth, are you saying that each and every province has the say, has its own different Spluma laws? So when I'm in the Western Cape, I have different laws, or is it that now the laws have been consolidated? I'm just uh, making sure I hear properly that uh, in Joburg, yeah, the in law is the same as in Cape Town.
2: No, it's not the okay. same. Um, the 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 laws have been delegated to municipalities, so it's not even ah. uh, by, by province anymore, it is actually uh, by um, uh, city. So, for example, wow. uh, there, there is the city of Johannesburg Metropolitan Municipality mm. Municipal Planning Bylaw is its name, oh. which applies to, to to Joburg. There's a separate one for Chwani, um, which is the areas that that, that I generally operate in, is in, in, in Joburg and Chwani. And and even those two cities, even the, that are right next to each other, and and um, anyone who who's, who's in the in the Cape and hasn't been up here for many years, you can't even uh, drive between the two cities and find a gap. The the cities are basically grown together, but they have their own planning laws. So you got to know which one you're operating under before you even start.
0: Wow. Okay. So this is fascinating. So. Let's just take the audience a little back as to how Mezo and I got into Splumas. Yeah. Just a very rude awakening because I, I think that this anecdotal story will help, um, will help them understand, will help all you guys listening understand why Spluma is so important to understand, uh, to know, right? So we're starting off in real estate. Mizo and I get excited. My aunt tells us about this really incredible real estate investor, which he is in Pumalanga. He's willing to talk to us, to show us uh, some places that he has for sale. My cousin is leading the brigade. He wants us to really get in on this property. We go, I take videos, Mizo comes through, We get excited about the property. Everything is just going well. It's a multi-layered. It's got 13 doors. It's selling at like a ridiculous price of like 1.1 million rand. It must be making, I don't know, about 25,000, 30,000 rand a month. It's a no-brainer. We are in. We're excited. There's extra land to build. (laughs) And then comes the time to actually purchase. We start learning things like the entire structure needs to be torn down, it's illegal. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? (laughs) The only reason we're (laughs) buying this is because we want the 25,000 rand a month. And then the municipality says, no, the property cannot be sold as is because the entire structure is illegal. The way that it has been structured, it hasn't been... The entire 13 doors or whatever have not been approved by the municipality. So that so actually the owner ended up being unable to sell the property because now what he ends up selling wasn't actually the 13 doors. It was no longer as valuable to any investor at that price. It literally meant that he would have to break down almost all the structures. And then you're selling their land, you know, or just like maybe two doors or something. That was so crazy that you couldn't, to learn that, that like for you to process the transaction, the entire structure had to be broken down. And we're talking about, as you can imagine, we're talking about 13 doors. So Mm. it's a lot of stuff to just uh, like a huge amount of, are uh, bricks and mortar to be breaking down? Mm.
2: Mm. Yeah, the, I'm. I'm so pleased that you bring up uh, Mpumalanga, because yeah. when it comes to SPluma, Mpumalanga is the problem child of South Africa. Okay. there, <laughs> there, there is no other um, uh, deeds office other than yeah. uh, the, the Nelspruit or Mbombela deeds office that that requires a, a, a SPluma certificate. Uh, for a transfer. Um, wow. They, the, they are the only province that requires spluma certificate for a transfer. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes in areas that are not quite in the CBD or, or, or uh, let's say in a, in, a, in a formally structured environment, it's, it's virtually impossible to get a spluma certificate. Um, mm-hmm. It's The confusion comes from section 53 of, of Spluma where the where, um, the interpretation of, um, uh, of of when when it's required comes in, and all the other provinces will apply uh, um, spluma to things like township establishment, uh, consent use applications, building line relaxations, uh, new sectional title schemes, uh, subdivisions, consolidations, rezoning, all that sort of stuff. Um, the other um, municipalities and and so on. Uh, would require a, a spluma certificate. And every other deeds office, whether you're in Cape Town Deeds Office, Pretoria Deeds Office, uh, Peter Maritzburg, wherever you are, um, they they don't require that that Spluma certificate for oh. just a straightforward transfer. It okay. is only in the Mpumalanga Deeds Office where 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 they require that. I now see. you wow. might say that's you might say that's a good thing or a bad thing. It, 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 it could be a good thing because you know you in like in your case, then you don't go ahead and um, buy a, a structure um, that is that that is illegal basically and, and needs to be knocked down, but the, the in some people might be willing to take that risk. In other in, in, in normal circumstances, they know it's illegal. Um, they don't require bank finance because the banks normally require that it be legal, um, okay. and 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 they consider that it's worthwhile proceeding with the the. The investment the and, and they're willing to take mm. the risk but oh, in a wow good, uh, that decision's mm. taken away from them they, they can only buy uh, legal structures
0: okay. oh yeah we learned this the hard way so we, i we guess did. the whole <laughs> my thing was i was so shocked and i'm here i'm sure there's people listening here going oh my god i didn't go to council i just built because that's literally how we Like, traditionally, I feel like this is how we've often built. I don't know if I'm wrong, Niso, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we come Mm -hmm. home, we're like, this is a yard. There's space for back rooms. I'm just going to put in back rooms. You move on, (laughs) right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So now you find out that this is illegal. Is there any kind of legal recourse that you can take? Can you fight it? Can you go to the municipality? Because, I mean... Just thinking about like what we're talking about, we had to deal with an owner that now has to potentially, well, potentially tear down an entire, like 11 apartments, right? Yeah. What do you do in that case? What is your legal recourse? Can you go argue your case? Can you go talk to municipalities? What happens?
2: There, there, There are options available. Uh, if you pick it up early enough obviously you can can walk away from the contract um, because there, there will have been a misrepresentation if they if they try to um, insinuate that the, that the structures are legal um, if, if you if you've either already taken transfer or or you decide you want to proceed even though uh, there's these illegal structures then basically what you need uh, are what because they weren't not um, pre-built plans, you've got to get an architect to draw as-built plans for you. So basically, they go and look at the building, they draw plans for it, and you submit that to the municipality, and you hopefully uh, get um, your plans approved. And if your zoning, your your um, your coverage and everything are okay, um, then, then you're fine to go. The problem is, though, that in the vast majority of cases that I've encountered certainly where there are illegal structures, it is difficult to obtain as built plans because the illegal structure usually violates one or two or three or a hundred uh of the local <laughs> regulations. <laughs> wow. Yeah it
1: is it is hard. So what I'm finding, am I right, Gareth, what I'm finding um happens in, in such cases, most of those properties are exchanged between cash buyers and, and and sellers
2: that only accept cash sales. Yes, you are quite we, correct because, because as, as you guys almost certainly know, the bank doesn't just give you money based on your affordability as to whether you can afford yeah. the property. They've got to go and check that the property offers sufficient security for the loan that they are giving you. So they yeah. will, in most cases, almost certainly send out a building inspector to go and yeah. have a look at it. And if the building yeah. inspector, um, um, well, always the building inspector has sufficient qualifications and so on that acts for the bank, he will immediately pick up that, that something is not right and, and the, there's a deviation from the plans or there were no plans or, or whatever. And, and yeah. that would uh, make your application for a, for a loan from the bank dead in the water before you even begin. Absolutely. Uh, so you're right. It's cash buyers cash buyers that are the, the ones that are, are most at risk when it comes yeah. to illegal um, construction on, on a property. Construction. Yeah. Can I just
3: jump in here for two seconds? Because just Please, Nigel. That we should also be aware of. So first of all, um, this thing of building illegal structures actually has been going on long before. For Um, Spluma just sort of tried to, uh, is trying to um, regulate how people work within municipalities and across the country and so on. But people have been building illegal structures for many, many years, long before Spluma came along. So even Mm -hmm. before Spluma, people had to go, if you buy a property and it's not built according to regulation, um, you would have had the same problem even prior to Spluma. Spluma has just Mm. solidified. Um, more of what uh, you should have been doing in the first place. The second thing that I wanted to say is that it's not just the banks, uh, it's also insurance. If you do not have a a legal structure and it's not approved by the municipality and the place burns down, the insurance (gasps) won't pay out. So therefore, if if you've now built a structure or you have a structure, you bought a structure that is not according to the law, um and hasn't been approved, then even though the insurance will take your money because they want the insurance premium, they will not pay out when it burns down and you have to basically rebuild place on from your own pocket. So that's are the things that I wanted to just chuck in.
1: Oh. That is wow. such an incredible thing. That is such an incredible thing. Yeah, insurance purposes. So, Gareth, let, let me just understand something. I know you've said um, um, it is now a national regulation to call its bloomer, uh, whatever. So, does it apply to rural as well as urban land? Or is it special planning everywhere or just
2: in, in urban areas? The the interesting thing about Spluma is that um, it specifically uh, addresses the, the the role of traditional councils in um, oh. in planning approval. Uh, okay. Regulation 19 uh, of Spluma's regulations um, uh, basically says that a, a traditional council can conclude a, a SLA with the municipality, and uh, it, it can then. Uh, Perform various functions um, as whatever the, the is contained in that SLA, and, and uh, make uh, uh, sort of decisions on on uh, on on what on certain things. Uh, the only thing is that they cannot uh, um, make uh, land development or land use decisions, but but other other decisions that that are regulated by SPluma can be dealt with by traditional councils. So that that deals with some of the rural areas. But but I'm I'm not sure if, if everyone is aware that almost that I I know of almost every area in South Africa falls under one municipality or not. In the old in the olden days, if you were within the boundaries of the city, you fell under that municipality. But now the municipalities basically, instead of um, being for a town or a city, they basically for for a region. So if um, you, if you think, for example. Midval covers a whole bunch of towns. Um, yeah. Ekuruleni is a, is a good example. I mean, it covers Barksburg, Benoni, Alberton, all, all these places. Even where I'm in Chwani, um, as far away as um, uh, Sprite, which is Kungwini, um, yeah. th- that now falls under under Chwani mm-hmm. when it was never I really think. part of, of, of the old Pretoria because it's, it's way outside the... Outside. The geographical mm. area. So most rural areas actually do uh, fall under the, the authority of a, of a municipality. And, and again, that's where you'd have to conduct some research to see which municipality it falls under and um, ascertain what their uh, specific uh, uh, planning and land use management uh, regulations and bylaws Regulation.
1: are okay so wow. this becomes important for you um then if you were to build in the village the municipality that's closest to you um is is the one that would that would that would um regulate what what you do or how you build in the in in, in the village this is so important guys this is very important. Yes most of us come from from villages and most people will own traditional land and they just go ahead and develop without knowing and maybe it's well and good to build right now but the traditional council will say yeah of course you can build only to find that the municipality actually doesn't doesn't agree with with the spatial development of that space
2: yeah yeah, mm. and the, the, the thing is if you if you if you fall within a, in a, um, a, the jurisdiction of a traditional authority, basically yeah. um, you need to find out first if, if they have a, a, a service level agreement with the, the municipality. municipality in that, in that mm. area uh, whereby they can perform certain functions, then you need to know what functions they can and can't perform because oh, some f- functions might still fall under the, the municipality and then you've got to deal with that. Now, obviously, if you if you if you are a self-builder and and you are you're building as and when you you get some money, you you, you add a room or two, and you you that that's your plan, um, th- then it's, it's 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 extremely difficult and um, might take a, a a huge amount of your time. Yeah. Um, if 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 you reach a stage where where your investments are more of a business then obviously you would engage a town planner and all of that would be done for you and you wouldn't have to okay. uh, worry too much about that.
1: That's what mm. I was about to ask, should my developer, the contractor or town planner or the architect be be aware of this Pluma regulations or of that SLA? So you've just answered that question. That's so important. Uh,
2: yeah, I think all of the above, but the but the most relevant one would be the town planner.
1: Town planner.
0: Oh, okay. <sighs> awesome. Awesome. That actually, I guess I, that actually answered my question yeah. was that how do I know that what I built <laughs> is within council regulations? But then I'm going to come back because I'm listening to this and I'm like, okay, now I have to ask this question about the back rooms. This is a rather personal thing for me as well, yeah. right? For yeah. family reasons. So, how um, can in the location, it means that Spluma's also the Spluma law also applies in townships right Garrett? Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: yes it does well well uh, the the law of that the municipality that that township falls under uh so okay. for example soweto would fall under uh joburg or mamalodi would fall under tshwane so you, you 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 the the actual township wouldn't have its own uh, regulations Um, SPRUMA regulations, but the the municipality that it falls under would would have something. Okay.
0: Okay. So then you would go and you would, if anyone listening here hasn't gone to the council before uh, to submit their, uh, to the municipality to submit their town planning, they can go I mean to get uh, to submit their plans for back rooms, but they've already built back rooms. They can go and get plans as is and then submit them.
2: Yes, definitely, that's that's the, the the most efficient and best way to 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 do it. But the problem is, you know, there's such things as building lines, servitudes, and things like that over the property. Where generally, yeah. when people build their own um, uh, back rooms and and so on. They don't even know where the building line is, or if there's a servitude or anything mm. like that. So yeah. quite often, the the the, the actual building uh, contravenes one of the, the those sort of things, and um, therefore, even if you even if your architect was to draw plans for that, it wouldn't be approved.
0: So does that mean? Because this is concerning to me, right? Like my my thing is, I'm always trying to figure out. So now. Imagine our families have been building these back rooms for long for generations at this point, and they've been feeding families, and now the council doesn't approve them, doesn't approve the plans, and there's, you just have to tear down the structure. There's no other argument yeah. you can make. There's nothing else yeah. that you can submit uh, to back up your argument.
2: Yeah, look, those structures are illegal, and if there's a demolition uh, order granted, uh, it has to be demolished. Um, I don't know, Nigel. Uh, maybe in a, in a non legal sense, if there's any sort of strategy or, or anything that someone can follow to to maybe uh, try and, and get out of such a difficult situation.
3: Yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, once your demolition uh, has been approved by court, you <laughs> you have to. Do- demolish yeah yes, but, well um you know you can't try to you can't try to do some things like for example um within most uh, municipalities or in fact within all municipalities you can build at least two structures on your property and in some cases even three um so cape town for example they allow us to build three structures on one earth now that obviously oh. depends on your zoning rights so if you have a structure that it goes beyond the zoning rights what you could do then is re- a request from the municipality and plead with them based on your income streams etc cetera, etc cetera, uh, possibly plead with them to give you uh, a new zoning for your um, for your property mm-hmm. so then apply for a rezoning and hopefully okay. they approve the rezoning and that will help you then uh, to keep your structure but once that order has been granted, unfortunately there's,
1: you can there's do. no other. Well, yeah, look, let's just oh, correct something else. Sorry. The sorry Gareth, um, the two rooms and garages actually do have do require a municipality approved plan. So most of the people in the townships that have it's just that like the approval was quite easy then. Very, very yeah. easy as long as it's not on, but if you've got a structure on top of the servitude. Also, your, your own building is under threat, right? If there's yeah. Yeah. a sewage uh, uh, leak, then you've got a building that has got a leak under it. So, most of the two rooms and garages, anyway, have always been getting municipality approval. Yeah. It's just that when you are adding extra, you might be overbuilding on the same property. But, yeah. you know, you know what I'm thinking of,
0: Mizo. Have mm-hmm. you seen in uh, the location when the thing when people are extending, especially the corner houses, where the house is almost on the entire pavement? They and do. You hey? just, <laughs> and you just so I'm listening to this, and I'm like, my goodness, yeah, this is just. I know. Yo, this is uh, so intense. You know, like I didn't even think of that until this episode because I've seen that so often. It and is. the thing is that we don't even think about it because you you're extending, you know, you're extending it's your house, it's your yard. Yeah. <laughs> I,
1: I
2: just, I just wanted, can I can I just like maybe clarify something? I think if you if if your part of your building is, is illegal, it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that you need to demolish the whole building. Yeah. Um if you, for, uh, I don't know if people all know that the, on properties there are uh, building lines. So yeah. that's like two meters or something like that from the, the from the boundary, boundary mm. of the property that you cannot build. So if you've gone over by thirty centimeters, yeah, uh, you only really need to demolish that section that's, that that's wall. over the building line, and then you will be compliant. And if if that is not uh, acceptable to you. You can even apply for a relaxation of the building line so uh yeah. so that instead of from let's say it's two meters but you've built over by 30 centimeters you can uh, apply that the building line be relaxed and that it be 1.7 meters and then you would be be uh, perfectly compliant again and you would be able to get your your building plans approved um so so just because they, uh, there's a there's a uh, some sort of transgression doesn't mean that the whole structure needs to be uh, demolished you, you need to see what, what exactly the situation is if there's only a, a little bit of it that that's, uh, that's um, breaking the, the the regulations then you you can just fix that part of it you don't have to knock the whole thing down Absolutely. I know you can, okay. I know if you I know if you, if you use the words demolition and demolish um, <laughs> People sometimes have a picture, you know, when they have those big towers that they implode in, and then they, they, implode. they show them on TV. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like that. Thank you for clarifying that, Gareth. I actually did. I actually did. I was <laughs> I was a health officer on one of those where they had to implode the whole building. <laughs> Gareth, just explain to us again this pluma. Is it, does it when when does it impact me as a as a property as a property owner does it impact me mostly when i'm selling does it impact me when i am beginning to develop and redevelop and extend my little home when 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 does it become extremely important um would, would you say okay
2: and there there can be so many um aspects where it can where it can touch a property investor yeah. and the, the the most obvious obviously is if you are doing uh, township establishments or sectional title okay. developments um where you need compliance with with so many regulations yeah. um i mean it goes on for pages and pages when you get your consent eventually to establish a township or to to open a sectional title register um, so those are the most the most obvious examples but many people want to run a home business in these days of COVID and so on so they want consent use applications to use a portion of it as a a hairdresser or a a home office of some kind Um, so so it would apply to that we just discussed building line relaxations it would apply to that Um, a lot of um, uh, developers want to uh, change the zoning of their property because they think that um, Whereas it was a, a raise one or whatever, it would be better served to 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 get it to some sort of commercial use. Um, so you would need that if you if your, your investment involves some sort of change like that, or if you, if you if you think your property is too big and you can do better by subdividing it, or if it's too small and you can do better by by consolidating it uh, with another property, then uh, all of those things would be um, affected by by um, uh, Spluma legislation and and even things like um, um, a lot of these um, uh, suburbs uh, want to close off their streets because uh, for security and so on. For the Spluma would apply to that, or or if you if your title deed prohibits you from doing something um, in the title conditions, and you want to um, uh, remove or, or uh, amend those conditions. Uh, spluma would apply to that. So there are so many so many aspects other than merely buying or selling of property where you where you want to try and achieve the highest and best use out of the property and it requires some sort of change, uh then you then you need to um keep spluma in mind and as I said, not not necessarily the national spluma legislation, but whatever legislation applies to that specific property. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. wow. Yeah. Cool. That so- is that's such
1: an yeah. important thing, hey?
0: <laughs> yes. I'm yeah. so glad we are actually having this um, show. Yeah. Because it was a rude awake. Uh, luckily for us, or unluckily for us, it was the very first thing that Mizo and I faced <laughs> when we when we started real estate investing was
2: yeah. yeah. Um I can, I can tell you that there was a court case in January uh, okay. um, which was uh, Glencore versus... Uh, uh, Steve Twitty Municipality and okay. in, in, in that court case they, they have challenged Mpumalanga's um, insistence upon Spluma certificates before you can register transfers and right. um, that, that the the case was won um, but the, the order has been suspended so they're, basically they are continuing to require them but there yeah. may be some light on the end of the horizon to say that that, that Tumpumalanga is going to fall in line with the rest of the country in due course, um, even, even if it requires them being forced to do so by the courts. Oh,
1: okay, so the demolition was suspended. Um,
2: uh, no, not the demolition, the requirement that, that you must have a pluma certificate and lodge oh, it at the deeds office for every transfer that you do. Mm, nice.
0: Okay. But I think, I think it's kind of a good thing because imagine if we had gone ahead with that transaction and only learned because we didn't know anything about we real didn't. estate then right no. we were literally brand spanking new in yeah. real estate and yeah. so now you buy the structure and then it ends up not being legal at all now you spent 1.1 million rand buying something that that, that is, really yeah. is not legal
2: yeah, yeah. It, it has some it has some positive aspects to it, but I can give you an example from my own experience as well. Is yeah. where the municipality lost the plans, uh, mm. and and um, various things happened, and, and so on. And it took us uh, over a year to uh, get a pluma certificate. Everything else was in place to register the transfer, and and uh, I think it took us something like fourteen or fifteen mm. months. to to get a Spluma certificate um, from a small municipality uh, uh, in Pumalanga. So, yeah, yeah, there are positives, but it can also be um, a real uh, problem for property investors who want to get going with their investment as quickly as possible.
1: I'm liking what you you keep doing there, Gareth. Let's just underline here that um, a listener – and a property investor that is in Mpumalanga, it seems like you need to be paying more attention. And please don't let your architect or your contractor tell you, no, it's fine. It's fine. Mama, you can build. You <laughs> you, need to pay, you need to pay special attention to Spluma because it looks like you've got a stricter municipality. You've got stricter municipality yeah. regulations to follow. And that means you can't sell. But if you, you have really built your property as your cash flowing property and you have no intention of selling in the near future, you are probably still okay until you need to sell and until you need to get out of that property, it looks like you are in trouble. So I like this very much. So are you saying then it is the municipality who enforces Spluma or who else is involved in the enforcement of the Spluma?
2: No, it would be the municipality and, and and their inspectors and so on that are, that are involved in it, and okay. and their, and their, their divisions that deal with building plan approvals and so on.
1: Tell okay. us about those divisions, what? because someone doesn't know. They say, oh, my plan has gone to council for approval, and they are wondering why it takes them four months to get it back. What are these divisions inside of the municipality that does the plan's approval,
2: please? Um, sure, you, you, I think you're asking <laughs> the wrong guy. Yeah, we get the approved plans from the, the, the um, town planner and only if they, they're not so fast, oh, okay. I, then I shout at them and say, what's going on? Why, why are we waiting? Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure, but I know that does require a bit, a bit of running around and, and so on to it different does. departments. And, and, and if, no. you are, if you are doing um, property developments and you mm-hmm. have to get approvals from electricity, water and sanitation, sewerage, yeah uh mm. all of the different departments within the the, the and fire mm-hmm. that's why that's why the the together um the the relevant approvals to to open a new township is um is quite it's quite a, uh, a difficult task and and why most uh, beginner property investors would shy away from from uh from from scale, development. developments like that and and and, and rather deal with with single um, properties.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Wow. Okay, Okay. I have one question, Gareth, that is not linked to us bloomers, but Mm. I've been so fascinated. Please tell us about SEPOA. What is the South African Property Owners Association? I actually don't know that much about it.
2: I love okay. Sopoa. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, everyone can go and look on their website if if, if you want to know more about Sapoa. but yeah. Sapoa um, is the largest property organization in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, at one stage, I see they said they they represented ninety percent of commercial um, uh, building owners in South Africa. Um, so for for those who don't know the the, the big developers like uh, Growth Point Attack, Uh, All these guys who are building these these um, massive developments, shopping centers, um, uh, office towers. I don't know if anyone uh, has has seen Santon over the last uh, yeah, it's a ghost town. No, (laughs) but it's a ghost town that reaches to the sky. The guys built the tallest building in Africa there. Mm -hmm. Um, So so so. I don't think they foresaw COVID coming, no. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but, but, but all the guys who are building those massive buildings would, would all be members of SUPA. SAPOA then has different like, committees, uh, they have, for example, the legal committee where, where I was, um, the regional committee where I was, but they also have things like uh, a strange committee, the method of measuring floor areas committee. Now. If you ask me, you take a tape measure out, you measure the floor area, it's not that hard. You don't need a full-on committee um, no. to, to to discuss things like that. They, but seemingly, I, I don't know enough about that because there is a, such a committee. There's like a developer's committee, a broker's committee, all sorts of committees within SAPOA, and they all um, try and advance the in, interests of property owners when it comes to dealing with uh with government and, and, with and government. legislation
1: and mm. things and municipalities and things like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a wow. central lobby group, almost a lobby oh, yes. a lobby association that yeah, they did they did very good battle for their for their real estate agents um during the COVID because the EAAB was not budging. You know, sometimes regulation can prevent other people from earning and I I, I thought they I th- I think it's a very good association to to have in your pocket. Wow, man. So um Gareth, my last question to you is um is there any other regulation that works in conjunction with the Spluma? Are there others that are linked to Spluma that we should be aware of?
2: Okay. Uh, sure. <laughs> um, yes, there there are uh, yeah. a lot of a lot of regulations. I think we've just okay. we've just dealt with, uh, for example, when you talk about uh, property development, the number right. of of regulations you've got to deal with because uh, roads and stormwater have certain regulations. Oh, yeah. um Electricity has certain regulations. Um, hmm. All of the different aspects of a of a property development or a subdivision or whatever um, oh, have okay. certain regulations. The title mm-hmm. deed contains title conditions that you need to be aware of. You cannot contravene the title conditions. Oh, so so true. so those are not necessary regulations, but they they also restrict the use mm. of of your of your own uh, property. And um, basically, I think in 2013, if I remember correctly, somewhere around there, I did a. Did a, a, a article for a magazine where we looked at all the the, the, the legislation that that can apply uh, mm-hmm. to, to property transactions, and we found yeah. seventy two uh, different laws on no a way. national on a national <laughs> basis, and and that's on a national basis. That doesn't count provincial or municipal legislation. Mm-hmm. That's,
1: that's oh no, <laughs>
2: seventy two. <laughs> yeah um, and 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 you know the the government
1: uh every now and again so the, that's right the, the that's why
3: sorry nigel yes <laughs> yeah sorry gareth for interrupting your word there I, I was about to say that's the reason why people join organizations like the enterprise development property fund in our academy because these are the kinds of things that we teach where most investors in property don't know yeah. these things they go yeah. in blindly thinking that it's uh, it's you know because they have a coach that coach is going to teach them everything that exactly yeah Yeah. but end up in trouble because there's so many laws i mean there are literally hundreds of laws that you have to at least have some um, inclination of to understand how these things impact you as an investor um and um you know i for one as i said earlier i will never do anything within the property space without consulting three people my attorney my accountant and my tax consultant because Absolutely. once you've discussed with the three of them how it affects your structure the legal aspects only then would you know whether that's a proper property investment or not because mm. despite the, the numbers mm. you know beside the numbers you also need to understand all the laws that relate to that particular type of investment or development um, and you have to be so careful when you when you get involved in bigger developments if you still do yeah. just one one apartment and one house and uh, you know with sr1 kind of thing uh you know single residential only one unit that
1: that's okay
3: that's okay um and there are very few laws that will affect But when you get into the commercial space, when you're building an apartment block, for example, then you're going to start worrying about things like occupational health and safety. You're going to worry about things like the Spluma Act really affecting you in a big way. You need to worry about things like zoning rights, about um, environmental impact, uh, and a whole host of other things. And all these laws Mm. um, that you have to know, or at least have some inclination of how it affects you. but your
1: lawyer wow. your accountant and the tax consultant absolutely absolutely mm. that's such mm. an incredible thing that's such an so i've got it oh i know i said that was my last question then have you got a question
0: <laughs> uh no actually i'm just I taking do. it all in
1: <laughs> yeah i've got i've got one last question this is this is really a a personal perspective for each one of you nigel and gareth would you say, though, with all this regulatory framework, we, we are almost impeding um, development in, in our own country? Would you say we are overregulated? It's a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What's your sense now that you've been in property for this long and you know what you know? Um, do these laws actually really contribute to an economy that is on its knees?
2: So I'll go first, Nigel. Uh, um, this by, is a by, great no means, by no means am I an economist, yeah. um, but I would I would definitely say, and and and, I, and when I did that article, I, I, yeah. there was some research at the time um, yeah. that that I included in that article that mm. that clearly demonstrated that mm. um, overregulation damages uh, the economy, mm. and. Um, I don't think South Africa is unique in that regard. Every yeah. um, country uh, that the abides by the rule of law uh, mm-hmm. in the world that I know of uh, just piles on more and more and more uh, uh, regulations, legislation, and and, and various things. Um, I think uh, some people refer to it as the nanny state, where where the the, the government wants to tell you exactly how to live your life, yeah. um, and 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 I. As I said, there, there, there is um, definitely research that shows that that, that it does um, prevent uh, the economy from from expanding. Mm-hmm. However, on the on the extremely bright side is that mm-hmm. it provides the attorneys with a lot of work. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Spoken uh-huh. like an attorney, Gareth.
0: Uh-huh. A- <laughs> a- <laughs> yes. We are I do feel though that we are a little over regulated in South Africa oh, compared crazy. to most countries. It's really, really challenging at times. It
3: is. It is. You know, you know maybe man, uh visa from my side, um I agree with Gareth that we are overregulated for sure, but yeah. there are certain regulations that I believe are for the benefit of the people living in the the structures so yeah. i'm mean, be talking property specifically enough yeah. Um, yeah. and the regulations that go with property so Absolutely. there are there are a number of regulations that do protect the people especially from an occupational health and safety perspective you know mm-hmm. if, if you if you build a structure that doesn't comply with the ohs act then um you know you could uh, end up in a situation where your building falls apart um, maybe kill somebody um, yeah. and uh, insurance doesn't pay and now yeah. you not only are you um, uh, in trouble financially, but you are also yeah. um, responsible for somebody's debt. So there yeah. are regulations that are important. There are regulations that are for the protection of not only the, the landlord, but also for the end or the investor, but also for the people living in those structures and working in those structures if it's commercial. Um, so so those regulations are there to protect everybody. But absolutely. from an economic perspective, absolutely. Every piece of regulation that is promulgated um, will hamper development.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think, will I, think hamper I the agree. Growth
3: of an economy. But what I you agree. need to do as an investor is, you know, as, as an investor, sorry, as an investor, what you need to understand is how to navigate, not circumnavigate, navigate. navigation means going around the the regulation navigating the regulation is to say how does this impact me and how do i work with that regulation in order to make my business more efficient?" efficient and that's what i've done i've in my business i've made sure that we comply but that we comply in such a way that it does not hamper my business growth and my business development. So we all have responsibility as citizens of a country, doesn't matter which country you're in, to work within the regulations, but to use those regulations efficiently and to work with them efficiently in order to make our businesses grow. Then I always also say this one thing, and I think it's important for us to know, if you can start, build and grow a business in South Africa, you can start growing business uh, and and grow a business anywhere in the world which is phenomenal so um, if you can grow your business and build and start your business here and and you make it successful you know that you are ready for expansion internationally and you can become a global player Uh, and that's the, the 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 best part about being in south africa in terms of from a business sense Um, Mm -hmm. I I firmly believe that for example EDPF we're now five years in uh, this is our first year and we are now on an expansion drive across the country and by 2025 we'll be ready to go into Africa and the rest of the world because we've made our business successful here in this very highly regulated country
1: absolutely I like what you yeah I, I really really agree with you you know I think Sometimes what I've seen, what, what I'm seeing right now, because I'm waiting for a plans approval, it's not just over-regulation, it is actually implementation of, of our rules because the officials that are tasked with implementing the regulations just don't work. It's inefficient. If you go to Soweto municipality, everybody still uses the COVID excuse for getting plans. It took us all of the year of 2020 to get my mom's old plans. And so it and because their plants had been moved from one place to the other. You couldn't find the plants. Those people don't work. They still don't work now on level one. They are not there in their offices. You go there over and over and over. No,
0: the lady was here.
1: She left at 10. Oh, they are at tea time. I think sometimes it's not even just overregulation. It is the officials themselves, who are supposed to implement the regulation, they just don't work. It's inefficient. So it's inefficient trying to 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 to, to get things to be approved. That's all it is, really. Most of it.
2: So guys, yeah, I, I uh-huh. agree absolutely that it's inefficient. But also, I think sometimes they they apply uh, uh, rules and regulations that. Uh, would apply to uh, massive big companies. They apply to the little individual yeah. uh, who can't possibly meet all of those possibly. requirements. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you know, but this is this is why we do this podcast. It's really about educating our listeners and any property investor. The more, the more you learn, the more you learn and it's 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 better to know before because you can't pledge ignorance after building a huge huge development so i am yeah i'm satisfied with this bloomer (laughs) (laughs) yes no this episode came 70 episodes late gareth
0: 30 episodes, uh, yeah, true, 70 episodes Like We're supposed to start late. with this episode, actually, because it was the one that was, that was really confusing us. But thank you so much, Gareth. I'm ready for the next segment of the show, Mizo, are you? I am too. Thank you so much. Okay, so let's move on to the next segment, you guys. On to the next segment of our show magical feedback from our hosts, where our hosts share their three takeaways from today's episode.
1: Aha.
0: Hey, so guys, welcome to Magical Feedback. I'm going to have
1: Mizo start us off. Let's do that. Let's do this. Okay. I have got 10 feedbacks. Which one do you want to share about? (laughs) I want to start with this. Three, please. (laughs) I want to start with this particular one because Vangile and I and and, and Vangile's sister, we have a big plan about uh, buying and building on traditional land. So Mm. apparently this pluma applies to both urban and rural land. So that's what we learned from Gareth. It does apply to rural areas and how it applies. It's under section 19, of 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 this same regulation, of this same act. And how it works is that the traditional councils that exist, they have a service level agreement with the municipality they are linked to. So every traditional land actually falls under a certain municipality and they are regulated by that municipality. So in that SLA, service level agreement, there are some some decisions that the council can take um, with regards to land development and there are certain, certain authorizations that they would need from municipality. Now you know, rural land, yes, it is regulated by municipality. Regulation 19 in the Spluma Act actually regulates how land development happens on rural mm. land. I thought that was very, very important. Yes
0: okay um my first takeaway um is that all the spluma the spluma regulations happen in the municipalities right yeah, is that yeah. each municipality will have a different regulation because they are de- they are tightly tied to zoning I can't remember which episode we had it was Katrisa who came to us to talk to uh, who came to talk to us about yeah. zoning right? <laughs> the town planner um, yes. yes she's a town planner so I think it's one of the 60s episodes guys like we do have like 76 episodes right now so we don't always remember remember the episodes, um, but this reminded me of that, that what applies in Bumalanga will not, or even in a one little town in Bumalanga, will not necessarily apply in every little town in Bumalanga, or even what applies in Santon will not apply in the CBD in Johannesburg, right? Mm-hmm. So this again made highlighted for me why bring up that the importance of talking to all these town planners your town planners your structural engineers your civil engineers all these people that we have brought on to this show that uh, should be part of your team to get all this done because he did talk about the town planner he talked about he talked about the architect you know all these things so having your team so that was my first takeaway is that your team is key because this all ties into regulations. They should know the regulations and they will help you with that. Absolutely. Oh
1: my gosh, this is so important. Well, um, there is a takeaway that I underlined within the podcast that I spoke about to say, if you are in in, in Mpumalanga or you are in the With Bank area, it looks like, this pluma certificate applies differently for you as opposed to someone who ha- who owns a property in Soweto you can't sell your house unless that spluma certificate is in the package mm. that goes to the deeds office okay yes. that does even though there are blumas for every different municipality mm. it looks like mpumalanga is the one that that seems to to strictly apply the rule that you have a multi-let now, you've cut up this house, you've built bedrooms and and more at the back, but for you to sell this property, the package that goes to the deeds office needs to include this Pluma certificate. That doesn't apply in other municipalities, not as strictly, maybe not for now, maybe it will later, but in the Bumalanga area, which is why Ven and I discovered this issue about spluma. So I thought mm. that is important for a Bumalanga uh, podcast listener. So take note. <sighs> you can't sell your multilet easily when you are in Bumalanga. That's the that's the message. That's my yes.
0: takeaway. Hmm. Oh, yeah, no, guys. That is actually not just a takeaway. That is a lesson learned. <laughs> oh,
1: gosh. Again, <laughs> but, uh,
0: the lesson. Right? <laughs> So that's more like we're sharing our hard learned lessons with you. Yeah, guys. we did. We did. Um, oh, wow. Yes. And then, yes. uh, so my second takeaway, gosh, it just slipped my mind, but um, what was I going to talk about? Okay. So my second takeaway was also that you can, so not all hope is lost. I mean, maybe like not. 20, but there's still 20% of hope. <laughs> if maybe you've done all this, you've built a property, and it turns out to be a spluma, right? You can still go to the town planner. You can still submit plans and go to the municipality. And even as the munici- if the municipality says tear it down, Nigel did say you can go argue based on income streams. So for most of us, this can be really important, especially in the time of COVID. So if you can submit and ask for rezoning, right? So ask for your property to be rezoned. So that was one of my um, major takeaways. If you are in a situation like how Mizo and I found us, uh, found ourselves in with the seller of the property. He can now go and ask for that particular piece of land to be
1: rezoned so that he can continue to sell the property. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. My my third takeaway is actually an extension of exactly exactly that. That mm. if you were buying, for instance, a multi led. Um, where you have where there are several units and several families are renting out, yeah. and you were trying to buy a multi-let like that, and you find out about this bloomer. You have several mm. options. You've got three options. You can either ask the seller to, to get an architect to draw plans because most of yeah. these build, outbuildings were done uh, after the fact the architect can mm. load the plan as is and that's what you submit that's number one yes. number two you can either do a you can do a cash sale of the property because mm. then you will own the property and own the income Without having to submit uh, the spluma, this certificate. Number three, you can walk away from the property. Of course, you always have, a, have an option to walk away from the property. But the, the the bottom line is, when you have broken the regulations of the spluma and you've built on building lines or on top of a servitude, you are you. I mean you have bought a risky investment can you see that mm. so you want to own an investment that does not have plans that's the yes. reason why the spluma exists it's actually protecting you as an investor so please ask for plans because you want yes. to see that the spluma has been honored so please please yes. the special land uh, special planning and land use Uh, regulation is absolutely critical for you as a leader
0: yeah yeah so interesting so this brings me uh, my final takeaway is um i keep feeling like we need to have like a podcast on servitude and servitudes and boundary boundary lines and all these things because this comes up right so this came up again right is that how many of us know our boundary lines and building lines and our servitudes with our properties? Right. And, um, and the reason why I'm thinking of this is in the part, in the interview, Gareth and Nigel stress to us as property investors, the importance of knowing basic laws in property. Yeah. yeah. Firstly, I, I'll be honest and say I do not know base a lot of basic laws like I'm finding out about them through this property podcast right mm-hmm. and I'm lucky enough to um, have mm-hmm. a, a, a property mentor and being a mentorship all that but the truth is that you need to know the basics so this this comes up because well we need to know the basic laws. So, I don't know about you, Mizo, but I'm thinking no. that we may need to have Gareth back again to kind of like mm. let us know maybe what are the top 10 property laws that we should be aware of as investors in South Africa so that we just have a basic idea, mm. important laws, right? Mm. And then on top of that, right, guys, when you do buy a property, this is about knowledge. My takeaways on knowledge, but also my mm. big knowledge is what are your building rights within any property, right? Like what can you do on that property and what can't you, what mm. are your boundary line, your building lines, and what are your servitudes? Do mm. you know any of that? So mm. those are basic things that I think that as property investors, when we're buying, I'm starting to realize that these are questions we should ask and maybe it's not common questions that maybe even now the real estate agent won't uh, mm. always have answers to that but knowing that can really mm-hmm. save
1: us a lot mm-hmm. of
0: time and drama in the long run mm-hmm.
1: so that is my the reason most people don't is because they, they build without the architect, but I think Teho, yeah. and, and Teho and the QS and the town planner really covers them because that's what your architect and the draftsman mm. are supposed to know that you can only occupy 60% of <laughs> the whole plot, right? That's how they must yeah. build whole if you but Mizo,
0: you and I were talking to a prominent real... In- uh, guys, this Spluma issue was with a very prominent real estate investor. He owns buildings, like apartment blocks in Mpungalanga. So <laughs> this Spluma issue isn't just something... When we're talking about Splumas, it didn't just... He's not a newbie investor. He's been no. at this game for no. a while. His yes. wife owns lodges. He's currently building a hotel, now, right? Yeah. Mm. Wow. So he must be using architects and all that.
1: But how? How did this he uses, happen? He uses draftsmen. You either, and this is the thing. This is quite the thing. That's why we have the podcast. Because when you are using a draftsman who's willing to take the chances with you, Mm -hmm. and you pay him off and you've got a town planner who organizes within (laughs) the municipality because that's what that's how buildings happen for sure it is stamped but it is stamped because you've got people who organize in inverted commas who organize internally but you will end up with an with an unregulated um building so that's what happens and that's that's the reason why we have this and as a as a newbie property investor just be aware of that i think gonzo also touched on it when he was mm. he was on our podcast't remember number 13 or something he touched yeah. on it away from a property when he discovered that mm, mm. it's built on a servitude mm. and the mm. seller the seller wasn't willing to 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 divulge or to give him plans, and he went and checked it out himself at the municipality. That's what you need to do. That's what you sometimes have to do. Right? So
0: this is a a great takeaway, actually. It is. is Because you know the other thing, guys, I want to actually stipulate. So this was a really prominent real estate investor. He's not new to the game. Like we said, he has apartment buildings. He's got hotels. He's got lodges. And then on top of that, this building, what we're talking about, this property wasn't even in the township or the village. It was in the suburbs. Right? <laughs> like, so it's just, yeah, it's interesting that even people that have been in this game for a while and have a lot of skin in the game can also get caught unawares. You know, so this is why it's just important to just. No, right? Like had his draftsman known, or had he asked the draftsman what tell me about the building lines, the servitudes, all that, it would have made a huge difference in the long run. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay, so let's move on to the next segment of the show. Now on to the journey to magical expansion, where we ask our guests. The same five questions we ask every guest. So, guys, welcome to Magical Expansion. I'm going to leave Mizo
1: to take it from here. Okay. Gareth, this is the same five personal questions that we ask. Every guest to help us uh, get to know you better. You've given us the technical aspects of development in this pluma, but this one is really about you. What book changed your life, Gareth? It can be a real estate, ideally, a business book, or a
2: yeah. fairy tale if it is. Oh, that's a uh, few. I was uh, I'm a bit worried about these questions. Hopefully, they're not too personal. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, um, a book. Um, look, there, there's so many books that that I've read that have basically made a series of subtle changes in my perspective on life. I wouldn't Ooh. say there's one yeah. book that, that that completely changed my life, but if, if we're looking in the property um, area, the one book yeah. I've read several times is uh, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad. Oh, um, is it? That mm. to me, that that is the is the is the quintessential property uh, investors uh, okay. book, if, if, if anyone ever wants to to get into it. Now, obviously, from a from a, my own personal perspective, as someone operating in the law of South Africa, they have different things, where, where Robert came from in Hawaii and and so on. Of um, course. But, but the basic principles are, are so awesome in, in that book. Okay,
0: all righty. Oh, wow. So Gareth, what keeps you inspired?
2: Um, I, I guess my family. Um, my wife Annette is, is a true inspiration. I mean, her energy and drive are infectious, and that and that uh, keeps me inspired. That- and then we we have our, our three kids: Christian, Megan, and Michael. Megan okay. and Michael are twins. They are only one years old. They they I don't know if oh they keep me fired or they keep me tired. I don't know.
1: <laughs> oh, oh my God! Double blessing, double trouble. Okay. <laughs> double yeah. trouble. That's, awso- that's awesome to hear that um, you are inspired by your family. What do you wish you had known or done before embarking on your own property investment journey, um, Gareth? Ah, uh,
2: that's a, that's a, that's an easy one to answer. That is, is an it? easy one. The one thing that I did not know is that there are cash flow positive properties out there. Ah, oh, that is- oh, that's I legal. thought, I the thought that takeaway. was a. <laughs> i thought that was a myth and 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 i mean in recent years when i've actually seen people successfully uh sourcing and 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 exploiting properties like that because my uh, first uh, foray into property investment was a, a couple of townhouses yeah and, and on them i was paying in more uh, to the bond than what i was uh, getting in in uh, in rent from the from the tenants when and, come and to I, the and I told myself I was investing in property, but but definitely what I've learned in, in recent years is is that's not property investment. I, no. I, that's like at best property ownership or or something in the hope that one day the the, the capital value of the property will be sufficient. That's but efficient. there's no ways that that, that 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 I would have bought those properties if I knew what I know now.
1: Welcome to the club Gareth. Mm. I have a whole I have I have a whole video about how how I, I was made to buy one property and it was going to cash flow in another four or five years. And still the cash flow, when it says cash flow, it meant something like 330 Rands or something stupid like that. But yeah. We all start there. I'm so glad you 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 raise it because lots of people listen to us and they are busy buying these townhouses that are not cash flowing. So great.
0: Yes. Wow. So, um, Gareth, I guess the next question um, we're going to ask is to say, what do you still, what do you think you still need to learn in property?
2: Oh, there, there, there's so much. I i, I... That I don't know. Um, I am okay. <laughs> I think you'll you'll have heard okay on the on the the legal side and the the, the technical side and, and and so on. But on the right. financial and and deal analysis side, that um, I have I have so much to learn. And, and generally, if I if I'm looking at a property now, I, I don't even I don't even want to delve into that. I, I rely on, on whoever's presenting an opportunity. To do all of the the the, the legwork on on running the numbers and uh, doing the financial and deal analysis, so that specifically so that I don't don't have to because I, I I don't know it and I don't like it so I don't want to know it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Mm. See. <laughs> so yeah, Gareth, my very last one. What property resource would you like my listener to go to? That is the one that you use—a book, or a podcast, or a YouTube video—that you 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 go to. What's your go
2: to resource? Um, um, are you talking about my own uh, uh, videos and, and and websites and that, or are you talking about other people's? Um, you can websites? Oh, oh please because if, I have a blog if you've
1: got one. If you've got one, you have to raise it here.
2: Oh my gosh, I, we'd love it. I have a blog. It's um, it's called uh, Shepperson's First Law or oh, Gareth's okay. First Law. Either okay. one. If you if you Google them, you you will find the the the, the blog. And okay. uh, every now and again, we, we put something interesting there um, in the prop. It's related to property, so it's it's um, for. Um, people who are interested in property investment uh, to yeah. give them some tips and so on. And we put a few videos yeah. there as well. So, okay. so, some of the, even now, even our YouTube videos, if you're looking for them, you can find them on the blog.
1: Oh oh my gosh. That's important, Gareth. So because the law is such a quagmire, right? For most of us. And I'm not even mm. looking, I'm not looking to be a conveyancer. I don't want to know. I want to be able to ask the, the clever questions when I'm talking to a conveyancer. <laughs> So, if if your blog is written in English that I can understand, then that's enough for me. And that's such a good resource. So, it's Sheperson's for your sending. First Sheperson's Law. First Law or Gareth's First Law. Awesome. Yep. This is so incredibly important. Guys, we told you, this is your number one library for property investing. Look at that. We found ourselves a conveyancer who writes English. Do you write in
2: English, Gareth? Yes, and 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 if there's anything you don't understand, the comment section is available there. Um, uh, tell me that I'm that I'm being uh, overly technical and not clear enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I welcome all comments there. Um, so anyone who and and I'm sure you guys know it's not always easy to find uh, topics on a regular basis uh, to discuss if. Is Unless it? you happen to hear from people, so I'm hoping uh, uh, if if there are people who have questions, uh, at least uh, also gives me a, a, a new topic to to mm. delve into.
1: Oh, yes. God. Oh, geez, conveyancing <sighs> is Conveyancing is isn't it a super specialty for you guys? You do it after your law degree. I mean, there's always all sorts of questions, and I love it. My mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, so I
0: think I understand what Gareth is saying, right? It's that yeah. people don't know they have these questions until nah. they start the journey, right? That's so we wouldn't even know about the spluma discussion if we hadn't encountered a spluma wall, <laughs> right? We would just be like, okay, you can just buy property, but because the first things that we encountered within our real estate journey has been we both encountered various challenges. So we know now the questions to ask, ask around things. So until you're in it, you don't know it. So I understand what he's saying.
2: Yep. And, and, love- in co- and in convincing, the convincing that we do, 99% of the transactions go smoothly. They don't have twists and turns. It's the twists and turns that one has to be aware of and and, and just be wary of um, when, when you're dealing in property. And also some of the stuff... That I might think is obvious is maybe not that obvious. So, if people can mm. can are asking questions, um, then then it, at least it gives gives it, they are almost certainly not the only one with that question, and it gives me an opportunity then to to expand on topics That's that great. I might not have thought would be of interest to anyone.
1: Ah, this is this is a super resource i mean we like we like and it always starts with 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 just a blog and someone started their portfolio just because they listened to us on the podcast over Mm. the lockdown believe it or not so don't even play small about this so there you are guys there's a blog for you and conveyancing is not a science that you just come across on the sunday times so (sighs) (laughs) i love this this. nigel you've been so generous with your network thank you so much for coming back to the podcast and for your time again and gareth you have been a blessing thank you and we are going to bother you with some conveyancing questions i think we actually yeah we actually need to have some more discussion about some things
2: Definitely. Well, thank you, ladies. It's been absolutely awesome. Thank you so much for 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 the chat.
0: Yeah. Yes. So, Gareth, before you run off, uh, how do people get hold of you? So, do people just get off hold of you on the blog, or is there another way for people to get hold of um, you?
2: They can they can uh, they can look on the blog. There, there are contact details on the blog, or, or otherwise, okay. my my email address is gareth at delberg. D e l b e r g
0: Okay, thank you so much, Gareth, and Nigel, how do people get hold of you if people are listening and they haven't quite uh, listened to episode uh, 39 yet?
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I'm uh, quite easily contactable. If you Google me, uh, you'll find about 5,000 pages where you can find me. For people if they want to register on the program or contact us. Uh, but my email is uh, you can get hold of me via our admin info at uh, the email address is info at edpf.co.za and our, uh, our uh, office number is 021 418 0768.
0: Okay. Wow. Thank you so much, gentlemen. This has been such a pleasure and thank you property magicians thank you so much Mizo, for listening in we have another great show for you uh in the next episode next week property magicians don't forget to tune in okay see you next week
1: see you next thank you week. thank
0: you for listening property magicians my name is vangile makwakwa and i am your host on the show i help people heal their ancestral money stories so that they can fall in love with their their bank accounts become financially free and live their best lives so if you would love to increase your income or you'd love to pay off your debts and increase your savings contact me you can contact me on the wealthy money website at wealthy-money.com again wealthy-money.com or you can email me at vangile at wealthy-money.com. Again, vangile at wealthy-money.com. Find me on Facebook on the Wealthy Money group or on the Wealthy Money page. Or find me on Twitter and Instagram as Vangile Makwakwa. Now over to my co-host.
1: Thank you for listening. I am Dr. Miranda prop Doctor. Doc Mum on all the social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm the host of Property Magicians Podcast and I'm a property mentor. I mentor newbie property investors to help them to begin and to take action. Your journey into property investment begins with me from property registration, from property company registration to picking the correct strategy that suits where you are at find me on my inbox at miranda at wealthy money.com again inbox me at miranda at wealthy if you want me to help you start your property journey